0: Thank you for joining spirit Field Celebration Church's podcast. Please join us now as service is already in progress. All right, why don't you grab your Bibles. Judges chapter 16 is where I'm going to be reading. And let me ask the Holy Spirit for His help. Lord, we love you so much. You've been so present here this morning. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to worship you. Thank you that your holy presence is just pushing back and forth like a tidal wave, back and forth from wall to wall. Continue to touch our hearts and touch our minds. And Lord, I just ask you from a personal standpoint, I cannot deliver this message without your help. I cannot do it with every gift I might have with every fiber of my strength. I put it all together and I still can't do it without your presence, without your help. So help me to do that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, and uh, I hope you're taking notes because this is uh, probably uh, for much of the room, it's going to be the most important message you've heard in a very, very long time. Uh, now, if you're friends with us on Facebook, I personally don't have a Facebook um, that's uh, in operation. Um, the uh, the church does have a Facebook, and uh, I post things on there about the upcoming service. And so uh, I posted that. I said, "Hey, I really believe that this service is going to be the most important service that many of you guys hear." uh... let me kind of share with you how this message uh... was birthed in me over the last two weeks um, for those of you that know my story just bear with me i'm only going to give the readers digest version uh... but i am a preacher's kid uh... when i was born my father was the pastor of the church and uh... we had the absolute most perfect family in the world uh, you know, the picture perfect family. You know, it had an uh, Italian father, a Brazilian mother, and if you wanted to see two people argue the house down to the ground, you put an Italian and a Brazilian together and they can make the roof come on fire. Um, but anyway, we had a great, great family. We really did. It was uh, me, I was the oldest, my my brother Jonathan, the next one down, just wave at everybody. He's, he doesn't look like a Mazapika because he has hair, but uh, he's, he's one of the better looking of, of all of us. And then the next one down is, is Nathan. Uh, and then we've got a little sister named Megan. And uh, our family hit some some a rough patch when I was about 12 or 13 years old and uh, financially we had a rough patch my dad had uh, a best friend his name was Hollis who was a multi-millionaire and he asked my dad he said hey uh, you're struggling financially do you want uh, to have your wife come be uh, my secretary and you know just be an injection of cash for you guys and uh, my dad said absolutely my mom was gun ho about it and uh, but little did we know that that was going to be the beginning of the end of this perfect family because uh, my father's best friend Hollis and my mom they fell in love with each other and uh, my dad suspected it um, knew something was up the marriage wasn't going right something was going wrong and then finally she came clean and uh, there was a divorce and, and they left and they moved on um, today uh... i'm doing pretty good uh... my brother's doing fantastic uh... he works full-time at the church here he's got an awesome boss um, <laughs> uh, he, my brother nathan is very successful he sells stocks and bonds and all that kind of stuff my little sister she's married and living, living happily ever after and humble uh... my father's life just went from uh... that rough patch to just exploded uh... in a positive way like a rocket exploded uh, he he met a new girl uh... southern belle uh... blonde hair blue eyes started a church in humble uh... fifteen years ago and uh... the church has about sixteen hundred seventeen hundred very strong church um, don't bother visiting it's not that strong uh, <laughs> it's not that it's not that good Um, but uh, you know everybody's doing good Uh, the only one that's not doing good is my mom Uh, because my mom's marriage to Hollis failed Uh, within I think it was two years maybe three it failed Hollis went bankrupt had to call my dad and ask for money to help pay the bills my dad sent him money on numerous occasions Thank you. You were thinking it. You might as well just say it out loud, right? So he gets an automatic go to heaven for free. He can can kill, steal, and cheat for the rest of his life. And he gets to go in for free. Um, And so uh, my mother's marriage to Hollis failed. And then she ended up getting married to another guy. And that guy... Uh, like to use my mom as a punching bag that wasn't good so that went, uh that marriage failed but my mom ended up getting pregnant in that marriage and ended up having another daughter um, then she started dating this other guy I'm not quite sure what happened to that um, she goes to church she loves the Lord uh, she lives in Birmingham Alabama and she comes walking into church every Sunday and uh, she does the best she can uh, to worship God and to receive the messages preached and about two weeks ago I started imagining being my mother in church and I really feel like the whole I know this for sure the Holy Spirit allowed me to hear from the preacher as if I was her Uh, now this was all done in my heart and in the spirit obviously I I wasn't in her church I don't go to her church Um, but I began to hear these positive messages that we preachers preach but I'm her and I'm imagining that uh, I'm her and I'm thinking I would do anything in the world because she said this a million times I would do anything in the world to not have ever left your father I love your father I still love your father I wish I never did that it was just a rough patch I made a bad decision and it ruined the rest of my life I didn't get to see my boys didn't grow up, I, didn't just see, I didn't, wasn't able to see my daughter grow up, I'm not going to be able to see my grandkids grow up, I've got a nine-year-old daughter, I've got a six-year-old son, I've got a two-month-old uh, baby, um, she's, not going to able, she's not going to be able to see them grow up, she's got to watch them grow up through pictures. And I imagined that I was preaching to her, I put her in the church, I put myself in her shoes and started listening. And it's very hard, once i felt that in my spirit, it's very hard that when you make a decision that is regretful and it's, listen to this, irreversible. Irreversible. How do you now move forward and love what God is doing in your life? How do you do that? Now, some of us in this room, uh, I'm talking straight to you because you're in my mother's shoes. Some of you are in my father's shoes, you've been through a divorce, but as, as hard as this is to say, life is better now, I don't know how to say that, D- does that make sense? I know God doesn't like divorce, but in some cases, um, it, life just is better, you know, his marriage is better, his life is better, um, you know, it's just better now um it's his second marriage and and i i don't i can't put any more sugar on it than that if that offends you then i'm sorry you probably haven't been remarried and the second marriage is better if you don't understand that um it's just better and some of you are like hey it's you know what it's better um uh some of us it's not our marriage it's more our job uh my i got i'm thinking of a friend right now he had his dream job right out of college boom dream job Lost his dream job because of his uh, bad decision. Um, he would give anything to have that job back. Paid good; it was a great job. Bad decision messed the whole thing up. Um, you know, just there's things that we do, and it just messes everything up, and it's irreversible. And so, how do how does God respond to that? What do we do with that? Uh, is this going to help anybody today? I hope so. Now when things like that happen you can back up and think to yourself I don't think I can do anything well or I can't do certain things well because of that decision and uh, if we can just take a a commercial break Uh, I saw a video earlier this week of of a guy who uh, wanted to be a lip reader and uh, he wasn't very good at it at all why don't you take a look at this video real quick All right, let's dive into it real quick. I'm really passionate about this message, so here we go. This is uh, Judges chapter 16. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Samson. Samson had an incredible amount of strength, and uh, it was a supernatural strength. And uh, uh, this girl named Delilah was paid to find out how that strength was on his life. So here we go. Uh, Then Delilah pouted, How can you... Tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me. You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. do not look around (laughs) just keep your eyes in your Bible finally Samson shared his secret with her my hair has never been cut he confessed for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth if my head were shaved my strength would leave me I would become as weak as anyone else Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap and then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Let me give you a summary, a short summary of Samson. Uh, Samson was a miracle baby. You know, he was the baby that was never supposed to be born. Uh, His mother was barren. An angel of the Lord showed up and told Samson's dad, "'You are going to have a baby.'" And not only are you going to have a baby, but this baby is going to free you from the Philistine rulers. All of you Israelites, you're being ruled by these Philistines. You're going to have a son that's going to free all of you. And so he was born, this miracle baby was born, and he had this uh, supernatural physical strength. So he ruled Israel for 20 years and time and time again these Philistines would try to trap him and kill him. One time uh, he was sleeping at night and uh, they gathered around one side of the house and on the other side of the house was the gates of the city. So they had him trapped. All the soldiers were on one side, the gate was on the other side... Samson came out, looks over here and sees this army of people just walks over to the gates and just rips them out of the ground like I would and just keep on walking and then throws it off. Then another time he was uh, walking down uh, the desert, some desert road these Philistines came up on him to kill him, to beat him down. He looked down. He saw a, a jaw of a donkey. Uh, he picked it up, beat down a thousand men with a donkey jawbone. Boom, boom, boom. I kind of imagine, what's that game in uh, 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 Chuck E. Cheese when he hit the... Yeah, it was whack-a-mole. Okay, it was a thousand whack them all he was killing them all another time when he was just a young man this lion came up on him he took his hand put it in his bottom jaw grabbed the top part and just ripped his jaw open and killed him another time he took foxes he took 300 foxes tied them together put a a torch in the middle of the knot of the tail let them go and went and burnt down all the philistines crops this guy was an incredible, I don't know how to say this, stud. He was a beast. He was a boss. Uh, he was it. And, and then one day, uh, the, the Philistines are talking amongst themselves, and they said to themselves, how are we going to get this guy? And they, some guy who noticed, he does have one Achilles heel. He does have this, this lust pattern. He's always with women. And I just want to take a sidebar and say all of us, every single one of us, fight something. Uh, I was uh, reading an article earlier this week that the number one epidemic in the church is cynicism. Just cynical. I don't like the lights. I don't like the smoke. I don't like bald-headed preachers. I don't like Italian preachers. greeters greet me too much. That greeter didn't greet me over there. It's just, if it's not one thing, it's another. It's the number one epidemic. And that's what the enemy uses. It's just this complaint, 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 complaint. But everybody has something. For for Samson, it was lust. And I want to encourage you that this, whatever you fight, don't stop fighting it. Don't just say, I'm not going to win this battle. Well, you you got to win that battle. Let me tell you something about sin. My mother in the Lord, her name is Jeannie Mayo. She, uh, she spiritually adopted me when I was 19 years old. Uh, she went to go speak in Vancouver and came back home and said, uh, I was just speaking at a conference. She speaks all over the world, four or 5,000 people. She's, I think she's 69 or 71 right now. She's still the number one communicator for youth conferences. How can you be 69 and be the number one communicator in all youth conferences, Four or 5,000 people at a time? By the way, she's coming to preach for us on June the 8th, so make sure you're here. That's a good time. Make sure you're here. She goes to Vancouver to speak at a conference. She meets this girl named Allie, comes back home and says, I saw this girl named Allie and the Lord told me this one's for Frankie. I said, Well, Red Rover, Red Rover, bring Allie right over. Let's do this. She came down three days later, we were dating. A year and a half, we were married. Uh, she's the bomb. But this is how she raised me. At 19, I met her. I started calling her mom the day I met her. Uh, this was she te- she told me about sin because I was wrestling with a lot of things at that time in my life. In James chapter 1, verse 15, it says this: Then after desire has conceived, in other words, you're thinking about sin, you're thinking about doing it, whatever it is that, that that's the sin that you're wrestling against. When it gives birth to sin, which means you've, you're done thinking about it, now you've actually said it, or you've actually done it, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, after the, the moment and the, the, the pattern has a chance to mature, then it brings birth to death. Here's something else about sin, and this is what she used to tell me, sin will always take you further than you wanted to go. Sin will always keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Sin will always cost you more than you intended to pay. It's it's a wrestling match. Uh, Her husband is the most holy man I've ever met. He'd pray for hours and hours. He went on five 40-day fasts. She went up to him and she says, Hey, I've got some interns. I was one of those interns. She says, uh, One of the interns asked me, Am I always going to struggle with lust? So she looks at her husband and says, do you? <laughs> can we, would that not be the most awkward question in the whole wide world? And he says this: He goes, Honey, lust is something that a man will fight for the rest of his life, but it's winnable. It's winnable. You can win you can reach that point where you can win. Ladies, you will fight a battle. Some of the battles that you fight, you'll fight for the rest of your life. But it is winnable. Some of you say, what do you mean fight for the rest of my life? Do you think the enemy is going to reach this point in your life and go, okay, we're done. Let's let them live a wonderful... We really beat the mess out of them for the first 22 years. Let's just chill out and let them have a wonderful last 50. No! It's going to keep on and keep on. We have to keep on fighting. Finally, Samson, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to tell her. And he makes the worst mistake that he could possibly make. Because of this mistake, he loses his job. He was the judge. (laughs) No more. He loses his wife. He loses his family. Worse than all of that, after they cut his hair, he loses his strength, loses everything. And this is the kicker. Toy, why don't you come up here real quick. Just stand right here on the first step. If that wasn't enough, they take their thumbs, ram it into his eye sockets, and rip out his eyeballs. Talk about, thank you, Toy, talk about, <laughs> talk about a bad decision. This one decision has ruined everything. Now he's in prison. Now, it, just imagine, just so we can make a parallel with today's world, that he's sitting in prison, there's no glass on the window, there's just bars, and he can hear some preacher, street preacher, down the road preaching about the goodness of God. So now he's telling the Lord, I love you, but what I've done, we don't want to say it out loud, but what I've done is irreversible. See, some of us, and I just feel this so strongly in my heart, we've said things to our kids we would love to take back. You know, there's not a manual on how to raise kids. You know, we're, we're all kind of learning on the job, aren't we? Like I have three kids. My, my first one is nine years old. I, I want to apologize to her every day because she was the one that I did the most experimenting on. I didn't have any before her. So I'm like, oh man, i I won't do that with the others. I just, I'm really sorry. See, when they grow up, us imperfect parents, you know, you look back and I wish I could go back and You know, maybe our relationship would be so much stronger if I didn't say that, if I didn't do that, but I can't go back. My relationship with my mom or my dad, I wish I could fix that. You know, incidentally, something about my mother, I look at my mom and the decisions that she made make sense when I look back and I remember where she came from. My grandmother, when she had my mom, she looked at my mom and thought my mother was ugly the day she looked at her and started calling her my little monkey the day they met she looks like a monkey and so she called my mother a monkey her entire life and so you back up and you say okay I can't get mad at my mom Get angry with my mom because she has a tendency to make bad decisions in a crunch. This is just me talking. I, I mean, I can't speak for you in your situation. This is just me, how I've, how I've framed it. I can't get mad at her because look how she was raised. See, sometimes the bad decision that you would like to erase, you didn't make the bad decision. Somebody else made the bad decision and it affected you. Are you with me? My grandmother made that decision to call my mother a little monkey. It happened to her. Do you see what I'm saying? Now what do we do with all this? So here Moses, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Samson is, is he's, now he's given his life to God. Now what do we do now that he's messed up everything? Because he can't go back in time. He can't do it. There are three things. That it doesn't matter how stupid the decision is. It doesn't matter if we made the decision or if somebody else made the decision. There are three things that always remain a constant and an available feature in your relationship with God. And number one is intimacy. See, uh, David put it this way. David, King David had everything. He had all the gold. He had, all, uh, he had everything. He was rich. And he said this. He goes, better is one moment in his house than a thousand moments anywhere else. Now, look at me. Would you and I say the same thing? That one moment in the presence of God is better than getting our house back, getting our family back, erasing time so we can fix that situation. Get this back. I got a friend of mine. I'm thinking about right now. He had a, a a four or five thousand square foot home in Florida. He went bankrupt. He lost it all, and and he's just kind of piecing his life back together again. What would he rather? One moment in his presence. Or get his house back to take his kids out of this tough situation and put them in that house. Now, most of us here say house, especially if you have kids. House, car, job. Can we be real this morning? Or are we going? Is that okay? I, I don't want to play church patty cake with you. Is that all right? I want to talk about something real. Is that okay? Okay. The reason why David was able to say, I would rather have one moment in his presence than a thousand moments anywhere else. Do you know how he was able to say that? Because he experienced it. And the reason why many of us can't say, I want to experience his presence more than i want anything in the world this is this is samson god i'm not going to be able to get my eyes back i'm not going to be able to get my wife back i'm probably going to die right here but if there's one thing in my life that i want to be good at is experiencing a sweet relationship with you that my friends is always available It never goes away regardless of how dumb or how stupid somebody else's decision was or how dumb or how stupid our decision was. That invitation and that experience is always available. Now watch what we often do. We heighten the importance of what was lost and we minimize the importance of how sweet his presence is. It's not that we're bad people. It's only that we've never experienced it. But once we experience it, all of a sudden, we want that more than we want anything else. That, my friends, is always, always available. And we need to tell ourselves, we don't desire it like we want to desire air. Only because I haven't experienced it. Point number two. The other thing that is always, always available is that Samson, his expression of God was available. His expression of God. He was able to express God's will. He was was able to be an expression of it. Regardless of How inconsistent or how sinful or how, um, whatever decisions you made for the rest of Samson's life or for the rest of your life, the expression of God is better for those that are broken. Broken people are the best reflection of God. Let me see if I can give you an illustration. Here are two pots. Now, uh, this pot right here is near perfect. Did anyone here grow up watching Silver Spoons? Anyone? Okay, great. There's like 12 of us. (laughs) There's a guy named Ricky Stratton. Blonde hair, blue eyes, silver spoon, no pun intended. A train in his living room. He had Atari games. He it everything. He had the coolest best friend on the planet named Alfonso who could dance like Michael Jackson. And I would grow up looking at this guy and I'm like, who has a life like this? I had a crush on his stepmom, Kate. Now you know why we named Kate. Kate. Just kidding. My daughter's name is Kate. Don't tell my wife that though. Okay. <laughs> but that's not my life. In fact, I've never really seen a life like that in real life. And that's, that's, that kind of reflects this pot right here. This is what we'd like to have. Now this pot right here, you can clearly see it's significantly fractured and cracked. This one has been through. If I were to bring this alley on Valentine's Day. It won't go good. We say, how do you know it won't go good? Well, because I've tried it before. (laughs) When we used to live in Chicago, I didn't have any money, and I wanted to get her some Doc Martens. I don't know how much Doc Martens cost now. I don't even know if they sell them anymore. But in those days, they were the hottest thing out, and they were about 150 bucks. Well, I found out a friend told me that on this particular corner just off Michigan Avenue, they would sell Doc Martin's on the road. So I gave my friend some money and I said, Go get me some Doc Martin's. She came back and handed me two shoes. I said, Where's the box? She's like, Well, it's on the street, Frankie. It doesn't come with a box. And I said, Is it size nine at least? I flipped it over, and sure enough, it's a black Sharpie marker that says nine. So I walk up to Allie and I'm like, Happy Valentine's Day. I give her two shoes. I, I, I think both of them have laces. I don't know. It was all I could afford. She's looking at him, She's like, "Ah, thank you. thank you. Thank you. There's a sock still in one of them It came for free. It's awkward. If I were to get her this pot, it'd just be an awkward Thanksgiving. It's, it, when you know this is what you look like, it's... It's not. This is Samson. This this is irreversible. This is not able to be fixed. But let me say this: God uses broken people in a way that He can't use people who are not broken. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Why don't you shut off all the lights? When God enters a vessel, when He enters a person and you happen to be broken, it's a big difference because He can just shine right through you, right out of you. Now the people that are perfect, man, I'm just so happy that, you know what, that God can use you. You can be a light in certain degrees. But when you're broken, what's on the inside just pours out of you. Just pours out of you. I imagine a gallon of water. If you take the cap off the gallon of water and just walk around with it, some of it will spill out. But if you take the gallon of water And it's got slashes in it and it's got holes in it. Everywhere you go, that gallon of water is just going to spill water. See, some of us have slashes and holes. And just like Samson, we've got some severe cuts. And everywhere we go, what's in us comes out. Now, here's the tricky part. If what's in you is poisonous... look what comes out what if just what if I never forgave my mom what if I was still mad at my mom what if I was angry bitter and mad but I didn't want you guys to know it do you think I could pass the smell test you know the smell test You've watched preachers at 2 o'clock in the morning and go, baloney, baloney. And then you watch another preacher and go, yeah, he's the real deal. Well, you don't know either one of them. How do you know which one's baloney and which one's not? It's the smell test. Let me just say, this isn't your first rodeo. You can come in here and you go, I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it. But there's something I just... I'm, uh, let's go to another church. I didn't pass the smell test. Why? Because what's in me is going to come out of me. But what's one when what is in you, you've been broken and you did what Samson did. Oh, if there's just one thing I can be good at, and that's being in your presence... That's what comes out. Point number three. These are things that are non-negotiable. These are things that are going to happen as long as you want them to happen. Number three. You are able to do the will of God. My mother is able to do the will of God. She, if she is able, if she is able to come to the Lord and just say, I'm... I messed up, but we're not going You don't remember it anymore. I don't need to be remembering it anymore. I'm moving forward and begin to prioritize that intimacy with God. Just like, just like Samson, he's in that prison, he's lost it all. Now I'm gonna humble myself. I'm gonna let it just come out of. You go from assignment to assignment to assignment. If you're breathing, everybody go like this. <gasps> All right, on three, we'll all do it together. One, two, three. (gasps) If you can do that, there are assignments waiting for you. When you can no longer do that, you have no more assignments left. Samson has lost it all. But he can still, (gasps) he can still breathe. He made a dumb decision. God's over that. Look, I'm over that. So he he grabs this boy. Psst, hey, come here. They let him out. And he takes this boy and he moves over, takes this boy, and he says, Bring me to the pillars of the temple, of this building. Now this little boy has something Samson doesn't have. He has vision. But Samson has something the little boy doesn't have. Muscles. Because when he was in the prison, he humbled himself before God. And the Bible says that his hair started growing back. He said, bring me back. See, there are no mavericks in the kingdom of God. There are no mavericks. Samson was a maverick before he lost it all. Before he lost it all, he was... This is how he lived. After he loses it all, now he has to be dependent on someone else, which is exactly like the church. We're all like one big pizza. We're all a bunch of slices that just kind of come together and just fit together. You say, how did you come up with that kind of illustration? I'm Italian. Sauce bleeds out of me. (laughs) He tells this little boy, bring me to the pillars. Takes him to the pillars, and he's able to grab the pillars, pulls them down, and he does more for God in that one moment than he's done his entire life. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25, do you know what it says? It says that he will restore the years the canker worm has stolen. What does that mean? That means this. You reap what you sow. You did something stupid. I never promised that I'm going to bring so-and-so back to your life. I never promised you are going to get the job back. It's not like the people that fired you are going to call you back, a man, you know what? We got to thinking about it, and uh, we're cool with you stealing money. Just come back and don't do it anymore. They're not going to bring you back. He never promised... You reap what you sow. He never promised, but what he did say is, I will restore the years the cankerworm has stolen. In other words, he backs up and he says, that decision, the enemy baited you, maybe not with the Delilah, but with something else. He baited you. You bit, you fell. You made the mistake. You're going to have to sow that. I'm sorry for that but all the time that you've lost where you could have been cooking with grease with me, I'm going to restore all that time and put it on the back end of your life and allow you to do more in that period than you have your entire life. Samson killed more Philistines in that moment than he did his entire life. Do you know that when Jesus was walking around causing fish to, turn, to feed thousands, he's walking on water, he's healing blinded eyes, he's walking around with the disciples. Do you know what Paul is doing at that exact time? He's killing and beating up Christians. Jesus hangs on the cross and he dies. Paul is still beating up Christians. Jesus goes to heaven. Paul is on a donkey on the road to Damascus looking for more Christians to kill. He falls off the donkey, loses his sight, has a vision, and Jesus looks at him in the vision and says, why have you been doing what you've been doing? It all comes together and Paul realizes, I just got done wasting my life. I've been making these horrible decisions. You were right down the road in the flesh and blood, and I'm over here acting like an idiot. But do you know that God will restore the years that the cankerworm stole? And so Paul went to the desert for three years. How long was Jesus' ministry? Three years. Paul went to the desert for three years and Jesus taught him one on one for three years. He made up for all the lost time. And then he writes in his letters and there was a man named Judas at the Last Supper that dipped his bread into the sauce and Jesus said the person who dipped that bread into the sauce will betray me. How would Paul know that? He wasn't there. How did he know that happened? He was out killing people. He knew that that happened because Jesus told him that that happened out in the middle of the desert. God has a way of taking years that were lost and stolen and put them on the back half of your life and allow you to make more impact than you did because of the dumb decision. So you don't have to cry anymore. (laughs) Just kidding. Watch this. When we fall and we make tough decisions that are not good, it is painful. But falling only makes us stronger. I can't verbalize that better than I can show you that. Take a look at this. I'd like for all of you to stand your feet for me please one of the things I hate the most about the enemy is that he keeps on this is very important this is a prophetic word for somebody in this room I know I'm I've been more serious today than I have in a long time for longer periods I should say But I just believe I was born for this message. The reason why, this is very important, if you don't hear anything else, hear this, okay? The reason why the Lord reminds us of our, I'm sorry, the reason why Satan reminds us of our past so much is because he can't do anything about our future. He can't control it, he can't remove it, he can't jeopardize it, he can't do anything about our future so he keeps on reminding us of our past but God has this unique way, this powerful way, this supernatural way, this 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 precious way of somehow taking all of those falls and making us stronger and then taking things like pots and vessels and bruises and cuts It makes them beautiful. I'm going to dismiss you in about four minutes. But if it's okay with you, I'd like from this, turn down the lights a little bit for me, please. And I'm going to ask that nobody leave. And just let them sing this song over you. And if you learn the song quickly, then feel free to worship with it. Just let me remind you, God has this unique way of just taking things and just making them beautiful.